Blog Talk Radio. This is All About Wine, the talk show dedicated to the wine industry since 2009. Featuring winemaker, cellar master, vineyardist, and tasting expert, Ron. Basically, what we're trying to do on this program is just trying to educate people and trying to make wine less confusing and more friendly. From coast to coast and around the world. You know, we really have had some, some neat people on the program. I, I just, I love that. Post your questions and comments during the live show on our Facebook page at www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Again, that's www.facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And now, All About Wine is on. Here's Ron. We are on time. (laughs) We are there. Everything's good now. We made it to both. We are on time and no issues. I know. (laughs) Um, A couple of Italians in there saying bravo. Thank you. Um, Yeah, we are on. We're on Facebook Live. If you go want to join us, go to facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. Uh, you can post in the comment section uh, questions, uh, comments during the show. And if it's a question or uh, something that uh, we'll, we'll just toss it into Ron and um, let him answer it or, or you know, however that works. Um, and uh, we're also on the Blog Talk Radio on our regular feed. And you can also uh, listen to us uh, that way. But uh, if you want to chat with us, uh, go to uh, – the Facebook page, uh, it's facebook.com forward slash allaboutwinebtr. And look at the live video, which is active right now. Thank you. Yeah, that's my deal. <laughs> Very good. Yeah, I, we are getting a good response to that Facebook. I, again, I said this last week, but I, I'm noticing some numbers and stuff, and that's working real well. So thank you all out there for listening. Thank you, Mike, for getting us hooked up for Facebook. It is tends to be working very well for us. It's a good medium. It yeah. sounds good, and um, there's a there's a quite a bit we can do with it, uh, pretty much uh, on the fly. So, and I'm, I'm yeah. sure there's more to it. That I haven't figured out yet. I was going to put a little webcam up there so they could see me looking at the. I mean, because I don't know if you have one, but you can look. Yeah, I do, but no. <laughs> yeah, there's no way. <laughs> That's not what I'm no. thinking. I was like, no, no that ain't gonna happen. No. no. <laughs> so no. you just to see a couple of slides and <laughs> that other a lot of people will do like a tutorial and they'll show their picture in the corner, you know, and it's so small. Yeah. I'm like, eh, no, but it, that's not gonna happen. Tonight, so it's, it's going to be well, one of those you know, things. Just, 
as, as always, a little bit of everything. Well, first thing we have to talk about is is our our Florida weather here coming up. Uh, they keep giving us updates on Darren, uh, and we're sort of like in the bullseye of getting some rains here, rains and some wind. So uh, hurricane season upon us, it seems. So yep. we are. Uh, hunkering down as they say uh everybody's going out to the stores and buying gallons and gallons of water and we walked into the kitchen and grabbed a couple of uh jugs and turned on the sink and filled up our jugs and that's always the best way it. to go i mean you know, a lot of people are saying well you know not you can't drink a lot of the water that comes out of the tap but you know did you go out today and do any kind of shopping or anything did you do no anything? shopping. We just we just went to you know out to the doctor's morning. That was it. And nothing yeah. else. So. I went I went to uh, Harbor Freight, one of my favorite stores because I can find just about anything. You know, I go in there for towels and I come out with four hundred dollars worth of crap. But anyway, yeah, I, 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 I like Harbor Freight. I, I need like yeah. a guardian to you know the, the little the good the good side to say no 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 you don't need that. But uh, so I went in there looking for batteries, flashlights, things that I don't need, and. Um, I came out with that and a lot more, but the batteries were almost gone, and they had this this it's just stuff. And I and I go, okay, I'm going to go across the street and get gas. No, there was a line around to get gas, so I didn't oh go there. God. I went down the street. I tried uh, I tried I tried the Wawa. I tried Racetrack. They were all full. A couple of the pumps were already covered. You know that they were out of gas. So oh I went my to the God. small. Yeah, I went to the small station and. You know they had openings, so I, I pulled in there and got my gas. But but um, what was it trying to order? Uh, you know, I've used that uh, like Walmart where you go pick it up. They they bring it out to your right. car or whatever. Two days ago, placed an order, and they canceled it because there were too many items not available on the list. And I'm thinking, you don't have toilet paper, you don't have <laughs> miscellaneous. Who's eating toilet paper during a hurricane? There's no, there was nothing. And they said, oh, no, we had to cancel it. So we ended up doing Instacart, and they delivered a bunch of stuff. But, you know, it's four times more expensive. But, yeah, but yeah. and I'm on a bunch of local groups, and you, and you try and, you know, what's the status? Walmart's out of water. They're out of all the canned goods. They're out of, I'm like, really? This thing is four, five day, four days? Monday, 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 Monday Sunday, Monday, Saturday, yeah. Friday. Uh, yeah, four days. Four days of, yeah. And they're already clearing the shelves. And I've seen photos of, of just empty them. And like you said, you know, fill it up at home. You don't you don't have to get forty cases of water for your home. You have water. Yeah. I, now they're I, saying now though, it used to be three days right? supply. Now they're saying seven. Oh, seven. <laughs> yeah, they changed it to seven. It used to be three days supply. You know, if a hurricane's coming in, have enough food water for three days. Now they're saying you need enough food and water for seven days. Well, uh, last, what was it, Irma that hit us? Went right up the middle of the state, Category 3? Uh, I think that was Irma. Yeah, I think it was. Two years ago? Yeah. I went out and bought a blue 55-gallon plastic drum and filled <laughs> it with water, and it's still sitting in the house, 55 gallons. I put it on a roll and found it because I couldn't move the stupid thing. The one thing I learned, they get really heavy. And they I had do. to buy. Oh, that's, oh, I, I had to I put it on my little around the line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, put them on a furniture dolly and move it around. I, yeah. I wonder if I can fill that with wine. 
But anyway, so yeah, this is a wine show, so I filled it with red wine, and <laughs> I mean, right. and it's still sitting there. I haven't taken the cap off or anything. I still have 55 gallons of water sitting in this stupid blue tank from what two years ago. And so you can flush the toilet with it. Exactly. I don't, I don't know how I'm going to get it here, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It would be quicker and easier to move the toilet into the room where the stupid tank is. Actually, Arbitrate sells the little thing you can put into the barrel, and it's got a little hand bubble in the middle. You can squeeze it and start to flow, and it's got a, uh, a uh, hose coming out the other end. You can fill buckets with it just by squeezing that little thing. Arbitrate sells well, it. I bought one today. It's a it's a oh. uh, like a little it's a little bicycle pump version, but it I tried it and it does move water pretty quick out of a, out of a I used a cup measuring cup I was like let me put measuring cup and I squeak you know, I pushed that plunger down and I had water all over the place but it has a it has a pretty good size hose in it so I was like okay that'll work so That's I don't have a problem getting the water out I have a problem getting the water to the to the toilet I guess yeah I'm using a bucket or something but uh, you got to use a bucket yeah could not believe it how out you know places where people are it i guess it's good in a way that they're not waiting till the last minute you know so you know congratulations yeah, on that. but, but, four but it's days still away, the same purpose if you wait the last minute you have nothing if you do it now you have nothing because you're not going to get supplies in in time to replenish the shelves yeah. so yeah yeah it was terrible i mean people are already lining up for stuff it's it's amazing so that's and, life in Florida. I, yeah, I mean that's just just amazing. I I, uh, I didn't expect it to be that busy that fast. But they're saying seven days now, so seven days is quite a supply if you if you look at yeah. it. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. Yeah, that is. I don't good. know, but yeah, we just filled up our, our containers. We had containers. We just filled up containers with water and figured that get us through drinking and anything else that we might need to do. And. and yeah, and we've also have uh, frozen water in the freezer. We've got a small freezer in the garage, and so we've got, you know, which keeps stuff colder longer too. And so, you know, we hopefully none of it needs to be used, but we'll. Uh, it sounds like you're prepared at least, so that's that's the main thing. Yeah, just prepare for it. Yeah, don't wait till the last minute. But it's uh, yeah, it's it's something. It's uh. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Everybody's thinking, you know, it may move north and it may, may we, but they're saying it's moving right at us and they say it's strengthening. So who knows? Yeah. Who knows? Yeah. So the rest of the, mm-hmm. if you hear this report hits us, you know, get, keep us in your thoughts. And if you hear this show after it hits us, then we'll talk about it next week. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, be back. we'll be back next week under candle power, oh, but we'll be back next week. <laughs> That's right. So if you go to facebook.com forward slash all about wine BTR, you can join us there, join in the chat. Uh, right now, it looks like I'm the only one. But, uh, you know, yeah, let me know. Well, we just get people to pop in. Thanks for the pop yeah. in, people. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's yeah. wonderful. Love to hear from you. Yeah. Let us know. 
Yeah. So, uh, let's see. What are we going to talk about tonight? We're going to talk about, well, let's talk about what's coming up this morning. Did everybody have their glass of, uh, or bottle of Pinot Noir last Sunday? Because, uh, wow, that was a week ago, Sunday, the 18th was P- National Pinot Noir Day. Um, today's the 29th. Jeez. Uh, 29th of August, month almost over. Today's National Chop Suey Day. And so, if you're having chop suey tonight, pull out some uh, some Beaujolais. Beaujolais Nouveau would go well with, but any Beaujolais. Uh, tomorrow, National Toasted Marshmallow Day. And tomorrow is also National Cabernet Sauvignon Day. So there you go, an actual wine day for you to celebrate tomorrow, National Cabernet Sauvignon. So dig out the cab and get it ready. Saturday, Eat Outside Day which is always a good picnic wines, and they have a can now, so you can take wine with you in a can, and don't have to worry about your outside picnics. Sunday, National Eero Day. That's G-Y-R-O, pronounced Eero, for those of you who see it and always pronounce it Eero. It's actually Eero. Uh, it's a Greek wrap, basically, with lamb and... Uh, Oh, I don't know what all is in it. It's good if you you know if you like if you like mine. What is it? Uh, Arby's is serving an Eero now, traditional Eero. So uh, if you want to try, it, if you never have, I guess they're serving around the country. I guess it's a nationwide chain item. Monday Labor Day, and it's also National Grits for Breakfast Day and International Bacon Day. International Bacon Day. Tuesday National Welsh Rarebit Day. Well, there's something to look up, Mike. What is a Welsh Rarebit? And National Baby Back Ribs. What's that? Rarebit? Rarebit? R-A-R-E-B-I-T. Rarebit. Welsh, W-E-L-F-H. Welsh Rarebit Day. It says uh, September 3rd. Okay. Um, Oh, it's... A Welsh term for rabbit. Oh. Prepared uh, so, 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 in any particular way. It says uh, whip or up some Welsh rarebit. Uh, it's definitely worth a try. Top it with an egg or bacon or both. Spice it up. Uh, we recommend the crustiest toast and the sharpest cheddar cheese. I cut myself on some cheddar cheese the other day. It was too sharp. Anyway. It's too the, sharp. Uh, Where's the drop? There we go. That's a different screen. Um, You need to let us know that so we can get that prepared. (laughs) I guess I should put the curse on that all the time. (laughs) Similar Uh, to um, mock turtle soup having no turtle in it. Um, Oh, Welsh rare bit does not contain rabbit. Oh, oh, okay. So you need to mock turtle soup. Okay. Uh, the what dish is made with toast that has hot cheese poured over it. Huh. Looks good. Toast with pictures. hot cheese. Yeah. yeah. Hot cheese poured over it. It's like nacho cheese over toast? That's warm. Uh, does not say what kind of typical European fondue. It would start with Swiss cheese. Um, wheat bread and a cheddar cheese. There you go. A typical European fondue would start with Swiss cheese. 
All you ever want to know about national wealth. Wealth, rare bit. Rare bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I never do anything. We are a very informative program. We, we are. We are. Uh, also, if you don't want to do Welsh Rarebit on Tuesday, Tuesday is also National Baby Back Ribs Day. Now, there you go. I can get behind that. National Baby Back Ribs. And uh, a glass of uh, red wine and baby back ribs. Oh, my gosh, that would be so good. Wednesday, National Macadamia Nut Day and National Wildlife Day. Then the next Thursday, week from the day, National Cheese Pizza Day. And so if you're not having wine with your pizzas, you should. National Cheese Pizza Day. Also coming up in September, it's National uh, Chicken Month, National Honey Month, Mushroom Month, Papaya Month, Potato Month, and Rice Month. And it's also National Hispanic Heritage Month, which begins on September 15th. So, uh, simple fare. Chicken, honey, mushrooms, papaya, potato, and rice month all in September. Getting toward the fall, so it's getting towards some, some basics there. But there you go. That's what your foods are. You can match up. Don't forget, though, tomorrow, National Cabernet Sauvignon Day. You can go crazy with Cabernet Sauvignon. All sorts of different types and all sorts of different Cabernet Sauvignons and all sorts of different taste and qualities to Cabernet Sauvignon. So those are upcoming list of foods that we present to you every week. And let's see, there's something else here. Wine in the can. Always talk about this. Six drivers for growing wine in the can market. These are the things you're going to start seeing out there. Convenience, of course. I won't go into the explanation by these, but convenience Take it pretty much anywhere. Uh, pools, camping, the beach. Don't have to have a cork screw. Don't have to worry about glasses. Yeah, wine the can. It's expanding. Occasion expansion. Uh, again, boating, tailgating, concerts for different occasions that you can have a bottle of wine, but you can take in a can. Cost savings, aluminum, 100% recyclable. A lot of places aren't taking glass anymore because it's hard to recycle, hard to take care of glass and recycle, so aluminum is good. Quality, yes, it's there. It's the same wine you're buying in the bottles, only they just put it through the bottling line in a can. Portion control and variety. You have your small amount. You're not going to be opening up a bottle of wine and saying, oh, what are we going to do with the rest of this? Wine in the can gives you the small size convenience and small size portion control. And that comes in a great variety now. You can find a lot of different types. And for the retail shelf, you have the visual image and the branding. It's got a can, so it's decorated on all sides and it's... uh, can be sold in a multi-packs or individually or all sorts of stuff. So drivers for wine in a can growing on the market, and I'll tell you what, it's working. Wine in a can is starting to catch on more and more. Like I explained to you a couple weeks ago, I had wine in a can, and it was really surprisingly pleasant. enjoyed it quite a bit. Okay, now, 
let's see, I've got some things that I found that I want to share with you. Some of them are simple, easy things, and other things I want to a little bit more detail. Secret about vintage. Now, vintage, what is a vintage wine? And I always ask this whenever I did tastings. I asked how many people knew what a vintage was, and I'd get all sorts of guesses. A vintage wine is a wine, or is, is the date on the bottle is the year the grapes were picked. Simple, easy. If they were, the bottle says 2016, that means the grapes were picked in 2016. They were fermented and aged and bottled, and they're on the shelf. You'll see 2017s on the shelf. You're seeing some 2018s on the shelf. Now, Australia, keep in mind, too, are six months ahead of us on their vintages because of the north-south climate. So they're six months ahead of us. So if you get a wine from Australia, uh, it is six months difference in the vintage date. But the year the grapes were picked. Now, why is this important? Well, it's because of the weather, how the weather affects the grapes. A rainy year. Rainy years increase rot disease and increases uh, uh, just all sorts of possibilities uh, with the rain uh, molds and things will manifest itself into the grape clusters and all that. And it usually produces a lower quality grape. So if 2012 was a real rainy year in the region, then you have a good possibility that the quality of the grapes are less. Rains right before harvest. Now this causes grapes to swell. What it does is the plant itself feeds a lot of this moisture into its babies, the grapes. And the grapes get big and flabby. And it creates low acid and it's less concentrated, basically giving you the wines, uninteresting wines, flabby wines, which is a term you may hear in descriptions of wines every once in a while, flabby. A real dry year, a drought, and we're getting droughts around in a lot of different areas now, too. A super dry year causes the grapevines to become stressed, and when they stress, the fruit production drops down, and it doesn't, I shouldn't say it drops, it just they don't have anything to feed the grapes, and so it produces smaller fruit, but the grapevine wants to save its babies. It wants to reproduce, and that's really what grapes are, is just the, the babies of the grapevine, and so it wants to continue its lineage. So if it's a drought year, they will try to save and do as much as they can to the fruit, which sometimes dry years can produce some very, very high-quality fruit, which in turn produces some high-quality wine. There is a method out there for some growers. I don't know how, how popular it is now, but a number of years ago, you would 
cut back on watering of the grapevines. And this would cause the grapevines to fear for their lives and sort of start feeding extra water they have into the fruit. And it would create a higher quality fruit. And then you would start watering the grapevines and say, ah, I'm not going to die after all. Well, it's too late then. You're starting to pick the fruit and everything is great and it's wonderful. A hot year. This can make a difference too. Temperatures over 92 degrees Fahrenheit or 33 degrees centigrade cause vines to stop metabolizing and ripening fruit. All right, now this is important. This often creates wines with elevated alcohol levels, but also uh, unripe tannin flavors or rigid tannin flavors, and it also produces less acidity. So the heat waves you're hearing in different areas and Europe and stuff like that, I don't know if they're still having a severe heat as they did a while there, but they, they're having some nasty heat. But that will cause the alcohol levels to go up. But warm areas, too, just a warm growing area creates a higher alcohol level. So if you... Uh, have uh, temperatures over 92 degrees Fahrenheit consistent, then it will cause it to stop metabolizing. Frost late into the spring. Now, this happens more in the Midwest and upper states and stuff like that than, well, actually, more than we hear about. Uh, Frost can kill buds and cause uneven ripening. Uh, once a bud breaks, if a frost comes in, it, it pretty much destroys the fruit there. And that's could lose an entire crop that way. There is incidents around the world where that's happened, where they've gotten late frost in. <coughs> Excuse me. We have talked to wineries in the past that have said that they've lost crops with late frost. Uh, Midwest back in uh, 2004, I think it was 2004, pretty much all the Midwest and uh, Central Plains, I always called it the Midwest, but they called it Midwest Central Plains, had a late frost after bud break, lost a lot of crop. That can affect and will affect the harvest. What it does is it shortens the growing season and put you into perfect weather for the fall, which never works out that way. So you can lose a lot of it. Another problem, hell storms. France, Spain, and I want to say Germany or Italy have had problems with hell storms over the last five, six years. And just pounds the grapevines. Uh, horribly, horribly uh, damage to them because of the hailstorm, and it makes smaller vintage size. And in early fall frost, not only do you have to worry about the spring, but you also have to worry about the fall. And this shuts down the vines, which increases the volatile acidity in the vines. So, all these factors, all these factors, make a difference in vintage. You know, you obviously can't remember all that. Perfect vintage, 
well, those those are almost impossible to talk about. Spring slowly leads to summer. Summer grassy tapers off into fall. Just enough rain to keep the vines slightly thirsty, but not to overproduce the grapes. Excuse me. And there's lots of other things in there too, but the problem with a perfect vintage is it pretty much doesn't exist. Sure, you will get some every once in a while and they'll say, this is a great year, we've had a fantastic year, and that's when you have a good year on vine. So, vintage, it is the year the grapes were picked, which tells you that it was a good or bad year. That's basically all it is. How do you know? There is a thing called a vintage chart. These charts tell you if it's a good year, a bad year, if you should drink it now, if you should wait and drink it later, if you should wait a long time and drink it later. This tells you what's going on. A couple of great vintage charts, Berry Brothers and Rudd, that's B-E-R-R-Y-B-R-O-S, period, and Rudd, R-U-D, Berry Brothers and Rudd. And you can check out the website at bbr.com slash vintages, and it will give you a vintage chart. Now, Berry Brothers and Rudd is a wine and spirits merchant, so they have other things on there besides just a vintage chart. They have where you can buy wine, and they have fine wine, spirits, services, events, BBX marketplace, all sorts of stuff. But they do have a nice little vintage chart. And if you're interested, you can purchase it from them, which I'm sure there will be a little bit more expensive. And I like their little vintage chart because it shows little bottles. Uh, Drink now is one standing up. Uh, Drink or keep is half laying down, and keep is laying down. And vintage charts, you read it by the year and the number and the regions and it tells you you go across and you find the year and you find the region that you want and it will tell you if it's good, bad, or past the state. For example, this vintage chart here, it shows, uh, wait here, what is this? Red Burgundy, 1978. It is scored a 9 out of possible 10, and it is standing up. Drink it now. 1978, still good, still drink it now. A lot of them around the adventures is not. They also show a Red Bordeaux. Another one was Burgundy. Red Bordeaux, 1982, rated a 10, and it is still one that you can keep longer. Uh, just... So vintages do make a difference if the wine is on. Now, what vintages do when you age them? What it does is it it basically gives you a, a balance of everything that you want on the wine. And another one, which is always a very popular one, which you know uh, Wine Spectator magazine uses, is Robert Parker. And this is under robertparker.com. R-O-B-E-R-T-P-A-R-K-E-R, Robert Parker, just like it sounds. And he has his chart in there, and I follow the Robert Parker vintage chart for years and years and years. Uh, Simple to read, simple to use, uh, color-coded, 
just a, uh, in my opinion, one of the easiest charts to read. You look at the uh, a chart, it tells you the regions that you want. It tells you the score, and they show their score uh, on the bottom, uh, what it is. And they also show you the uh, uh, you know, with the score, whether it's ready to drink. And because it's color-coded, it tells you if it's uh, the scores and stuff. So very easy. And the Robert Parker Vintage Chart can be downloaded. Uh, that you can uh, at the bottom. It's it's got a uh, uh, bottom or top where top at the top. It, you can download it uh, from PDF file. It's uh, 2017 down to 1970 Vintage Chart. So everything is right there. And so that's what a vintage date is. That's what a vintage chart is. And that's how you handle those things. That's how you read that. And that's uh, what you do uh, with uh, with vintages. All right. And let's see. The next one. This is a – what's a long article? What was that? Somebody ding me? I heard a ding. No, I think I hear something. I don't know. No, it's good. Oh. Okay. Yeah. Whenever, you, you never know. I mean, when we're doing Facebook and all this stuff and we hear a ding, we never know where it's coming from or why it's coming in or anything. So, you know, we, we get concerned. <coughs> Excuse me. Color of wine, or the, in the science of color in wine. A signal of how wine, young red wines start out dark, and it varies on the degree of concentration and, and how they are made and all that stuff. But young red wines usually darker, and as they grow older, they get lighter, pale, paler with age. And because of that, it uh, doesn't make it bad. It's just that you can judge a wine's age a lot of times by looking at the color. White wines are basically colorless when they're young, but they tend to grow darker with age. And they can also deepen in color with greater degrees of concentration, too. So as a wine, a white wine ages, it would be just the opposite. It will go from lighter to darker to amber to golden colors. And you can look at wines and judge the colors by that. That's why a lot of times when you're trying to look at a wine and judge what type of wine it is, the colors can fool you because a very aged wine tends to look like a different type of wine than a younger one or a good aged wine will tend to turn darker, which would indicate some oak aging, which varies it a little bit there. But thicker skin wines tend to produce grape color, higher grape color. In hot climates or years, grapes develop too quickly and skins are thinner. Then you have thin skins and you have less color. I'm talking about red wines, obviously. Obviously, different grape varieties have different coloration. It's it's going to vary a little bit. But uh, overall, uh, color where grapes are sunburned is not extractable. 
So when you're pruning and deleafing, it's important to do so early in great development because if you do it too late, then it's going to sunburn the grapes and give them an unnatural color and you won't be able to extract the color out of it. It's going to be, you're going to have, there it goes again. There's that noise again. Uh, let me go back to the studio here quickly and see if there's something there yeah, that's stinging me. I just checked it. Uh, I wonder what else could be. I don't know. Hmm. Let's see if I can oh. find out. Oh, well. No, I just, you know, always worry there's something that we should be paying attention to, and that's all. Um, so, colors in the wine. Color actually comes from the skin. The juice is basically colorless. There's a few grapes out there that do have color in their skin, but overall, the juice is colorless, and the skin gives it the color. Red wines are made from red grapes, white wines from white grapes. You can't make a red wine from a white grape. But we do make a lot of white wines, some red grapes. And we just pull the skin off before it has a chance to, to change the color on it. And But the red wines are the ones that will vary in their colors depending on the grapes, depending on how and when they're picked and all that. Um Many of the longest-lived Pinot Noirs are light in color. This is other factors that play into that and stuff like that. Cabernet Sauvignon is a nice, pretty, dark red grape, and it shows in the color, and it shows in the wine. So, so color makes a difference, and it will also signal how it will taste, too. I mean, if you look at a wine and see the color, if it's a red wine... Uh, it's supposed to be dark and it's a little bit lighter. It could be aged and you could have it mellow out a little bit, uh, soften a little bit, if you will. And same thing with white wines. If it's supposed to be a real light color and it's starting to turn dark, then always the question, though, in any of those is, is the wine oxidized? Has it had air into it? Has it re- been... Uh, open to air or any way, and that sometimes will cause a problem with wines that is unexpected, and it will change the color if a wine is oxidized or if air has gotten to it. So most of the time when you're getting wine, the younger ones that most people get the drink now wines, you should be true to the color. If you're aging a wine, then the color will make a difference. So pay attention to the color on the wine. Okay. And moving on to another subject. I mentioned Pinot Noir. Let's talk a little bit about Pinot Noir. Five, some five things about Pinot Noir that you probably didn't know. And we just had Pinot Noir Day on the 18th, and I should have dug this information out before then to tell you about it. But, you know, Better to tell you now than not at all. Pinot Noir is the 10th most planted grape variety in the world. But you didn't know that. Big, big hardcore following of Pinot Noir. Average prices for Pinot Noir tend to be higher than other grapes. Because they are a little bit more... uh, 
temperamental when you try to grow them. So sometimes to grow a good batch of Pinot Noirs tends to be tends to be a problem sometimes. The uh, uh, Pinot Noir. <coughs> Excuse me again. Pinot Noir primary flavors: cherry, raspberry, little mushroom nose. And flavor vanilla tends to come out, and hibiscus. These are all tasting profiles that have been attributed to Pinot Noir. It uh, gives you some spice aromas, uh, flowery aromas. Usually a long finish, which means that it lingers in the mouth and the taste. It's a dry wine, uh, medium body, not usually real, real. Heavy, it's, and it's not a real dry wine, a medium dry. Low tannins, more more often than not, Pinot Noirs have low tannins. Uh, the acidity is a little bit pronounced in Pinot Noirs. That's one of the reasons why some people don't like it, because the acidity tends to come out. If a Pinot Noir is well-made, it will be balanced very well, and so therefore you don't have the acids that tend to overpower and the alcohol by volume usually ranges between 11 and 14%, although, yes, it can be higher, but usually there. The ageability for Pinot Noirs, a lot of them can go 10 years plus without a problem. Average price, $30, and these are the ones that are ageable. So that is the reason why you're getting more age out of them if you pay more money for them. Pinot Noir likely originated in Burgundy, France. And August 18th is National Pinot Noir Day, which we just passed. Uh, Same climate as a Chardonnay. Uh, A lot of times when people are growing and planting and harvesting Chardonnay, they have a Pinot Noir lot next to it or around it because they both enjoy the same climate. Uh, wait a minute, I've got to ask my engineer if she did her ice. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, and the Blanc du Nord Champagne uses the Pinot Noir grape as its base grape, also Pinot Noir. So uh, Pinot Noir is used in champagnes. It's all also one of the few red grapes that's commonly made into rosés, and uh, it's uh, also made into white wines and also made into sparkling wines. Very diversified. That's probably why it's the tenth most planted grape in the world. It uh, DNA analysis, and they've done DNA tests on almost all grapes now. DNA analysis reveals that the Pinot Noir. Pinot Gris and Pinot Blanc are simply mutations of the same grape. So we talked about the Pinot Gris, Pinot Blanc, and Pinot Noir. They're just you know basically the same same thing. So, and where is it growing? France more than anything, but also goodly amount in USA and Germany. And those are the three bigs. Babies for the Pinot Noir. Uh, USA a little bit more than France, and then our, I'm sorry, France a little bit more than USA, and then Germany comes in the third. So 
three three big growers of the Pinot Noir. It is uh, over 1,000 years older than Cabernet Sauvignon. Been around for a long, long time. Germany's top producer, uh, Pinot Noir producer. Here it says, you know, okay, here. Germany is the third largest producer of Pinot Noir after France and the United States. And it's commonly called Spotburgunder in Germany. So uh, if you see a German wine called Spotburgunder, that is the Pinot Noir. Probably get it for a decent price, too. And Pinot Noir and Chardonnay are really, really about the same. Pinot Noir has tannins, but not a whole lot. And let's see. Anything else? Nope. Use it in a big old glass to let out that aroma and stuff. So, more than you wanted to know about Pinot Noir, but we're afraid to ask. Let me pull up Cabernet since tomorrow is Cabernet Sauvignon Day. Let me tell you about Cabernet Sauvignon. Uh, okay, here we go. Probably the most famous red grape. Grown, everybody knows it. It is uh, only rivaled by the Bordeaux Merlot, uh, and uh, uh, of course, uh, Pinot Noir comes right through with it. Cabernet is successfully spread to almost every wine-growing region in the world, and it's now a key variety in many first-rate world-class wines, uh, notably from. Well, not only France, but Napa, uh, Conovara, and Myopa Valley in Australia. Uh, Pinot Noir always seems to demonstrate similar characteristics, which is something that people always enjoy for it. The deep color, good tannin structure, moderate acidity, and then your classic aromas of black currant tomato leaf, which I never really understood tomato leaf because I'm not a one that sniffs tomato leaf. I can understand dark spices and cedar wood. I've smelled those in different occasions, but tomato leaf, uh, that's a descriptor that I wonder what they put on there because I think most people would not know tomato leaf. Uh, it's used in blends. It has... Uh, uh, it's been a blend with, uh, well, the obvious, Merlots and Cabernet Franc, but it's also Petit Bordeaux, Carmenier, and Shiraz, and South America, Cabernet and Tempranillo is used. Uh, it's very common. And it's even the tannate-based wines of M- Madrin, which uh, soften the Cabernet Sauvignon down a little bit. DNA profiling of the Cabernet Sauvignon grape was done actually in 1997 and confirmed that the Cabernet Sauvignon is a genetic cross between Cabernet Franc and Sauvignon Blanc. Most people agree that this crossing happened only within the past few centuries, making it, you know, really a young grape overall that hasn't been cloned. The United States grows the most Pinot Noir. 72% of all grapes grown uh, of the Pinot Noir, uh, Pinot Noir, the Cabernet Sauvignon. My bad. Back up. We were talking about Cabernet Sauvignon, not Pinot Noir. Most grapes of the Cabernet Sauvignon grown are in the United States. 
72% of the uh, of it's grown in the United States. Australia, 7%. Uh, well, this it doesn't say grown. It says where it's used on this chart. So let me clarify. Growing between where it's used. I'm sure that it correlates, but still. Australia, 7%. Chile, 7%. Argentina, 5%. Italy, 2%. South Africa, 2%. France, 1%. And that surprises me. 1%. The uh, Cabernet Sauvignon retains a cab character pretty much through just about anything and through everything. Produces a dense leaf canopy and relatively high yields. So, therefore, it's always a good uh, money bank. It was the one that stood out in 1976 Judgment of Paris. That's one we've all heard about. That's the one where a uh, bottle shock movie was based on was the Judgment of Paris and all that. They tried to duplicate the Judgment of Paris a couple, three times. They haven't been able to. It uh, always has fallen short of what their expectations or goals were, so that has never been done. But the Cabernet, California Cabernet, still tend to be quite world-worthy. Uh, and uh, it's... Uh, here to stay. Cabernet Sauvignon is very, very popular wine. Some of the synonyms for Cabernet in different parts of the world, and it doesn't, I don't know what areas of the world or anything, it just gives this list, just gives the synonyms is Bidure, B-I-D-U-R-E, Boucher, B-O-U-C-H-E, Bordeaux, B-O-R-D-O. There's uh, Boucher again, B-O-U-C-H-E-T, Bordeaux, B-U-R-D-E-O-S, Tinto, T-I-N-T-O, Lafitte, and Vidure, V-I-D-U-R-E. So those are synonyms for Cabernet Sauvignon. Filet steak with truffles, beef wellington with honey roasted carrots, or Korean-style beef Stir-fried and garlic, soy, and sesame are some great food matches that are suggested in this. I actually, what I'm telling you about it is from wine searchers, grapes, uh, a great little thing. And it has a list of available Pinot Noir here that goes on and on and on for like... 20 pages with uh, 25 or 30 on each page. So a lot of them out there, a lot of them available. Uh, uh, Cabernet Sauvignon's everywhere. And tomorrow's Cabernet Sauvignon Day. So go out and pick yourself up one and enjoy it. Uh, that's what it's for. Okay. How to tell if a wine is cork? We've talked about cork wine. Review. Cork taint isn't easily identified. This is what makes it so difficult. Wines are not corked often, but when they are. This article says a typical wine consumer will encounter 100 corked wines in their lifetime. I don't know. 
uh, that seems like an awful lot to me. And I, I, and I never really knew what a cork wine was until, oh, geez, about 17, 18 years ago. I had a cork wine, and someone who had cork wine, who knew what they were talking about, said, this wine is cork. And I went, oh, wow, so that's what it tastes like. I never really understood. I had talked about it. I had, I'm sure, tasted it, but I never really pinpointed it. And so, therefore, that bottle of wine got a lot of scrutiny from me because I wanted to try to remember. And so I did. I smelled and tasted and dissected it within my nose and mouth for quite some time so I can remember. But a cork wine, you can smell it. It TCA is two four six triclonosol, and that is the chemical ingredient that makes a wine corked. Now, if it's got a strong TCA, it's going to be a musty smell, or possibly wet cardboard, or possibly wet newspaper, or wet dog. These things sort of jump out at you. But if it's got faint TCA, it gives you a lack of aromas. Uh, the taste drops off. And I've had wines that didn't have TCA and the taste dropped off anyway. And the wine, not as promised, which is a really something you need to do. Somebody says, this is great wine. You need to try it. Or this is really good. Or you read a review on it and it says it's really good. And then you get it and it's not the expectations that you held up for. It could be faint TCA. It could be corked. Can it be fixed? No. There is a plastic called PVDC, and it's known to bind to TCA and pull it out of wine. But you can't find it that easily anymore. It's no longer available in most places. PVDC used to be the polymer in plastic wrap, but they have taken it out. I remember reading, and I think I mentioned it on the program about maybe four or five years ago, that if you find a cork wine, wad up a piece of plastic wrap and put it in your wine and then pour it off of it, and it will not be corked. That's no longer that true simply because PVDC is now illegal put in your plastic wrap. So the old plastic wrap wad up in your wine to remove TCA probably won't work and just make it taste like plastic wrap. So don't do that anymore. Uh, that's was an old remedy that is not true. 246 streclonosol uh, affects 2-3% to of bottled wines uh, are about a 1% bottle in every two cases. Now, that's an average, and it's low, and it is low. But, you know, when you start going through life or if you buy yourself a bottle of wine that's very expensive and it is corked, then that's one too many. So you need to familiarize yourself with it. Uh, I can give you the chemical breakdown. You won't know. You won't remember. You won't care. Just remember the basic profile. 
musty, wet dog, wet cardboard, wet newspaper, grandma's basement. Tell you how to do this. If you're not sure, take a washcloth. Make it wet and wipe your armpits. Now stay with me. Wring it out, but don't completely dry it. Put it in a plastic container with a lid and leave it overnight. In the morning, you'll have a musty towel to smell. And that would be a good basis to train your nose to say this wine is corked. So a good simple lesson, a good way to do it. Uh, let's see. And then what else they have here about corked wines? Oh, yeah, this is... Okay, so that's basically it. We talked about cork wines in the past. I'm sure you can find some more details and all that. If you go check out yourself or look at our archives, and you will find some information on corked wines. Okay, now I... I want to cover a couple more things, which I will do since we talked about the hurricane instead of getting into it. Most expensive wines in the United States. None of us can afford these. We never will. It's always fun to know how much these things are going for, and, and you know there are people who actually buy them. But the most expensive wines in the United States... Uh, SQN, SQN is a uh, heavy hitter in California. They're a, uh, a balling or shipping company. I, let's see. There's talk about California and Canada somewhere along the line. There's a cult involved. In this case, one cult producer who usually hugely dominates proceedings for Wine. In California, the realm of cult wineries, one stands head and shoulders above the rest when it comes to both price and sheer quirkiness. And that's Sin Kunan, S-I-N-E-Q-U-A-N-O-N. Sin Kunan. And Sin Kunan is one of California's most famous wine producers. Okay, it's just it's based just north of Los Angeles in Ventura County. With most of its vineyards in Santa Barbara, uh, it's is one of the biggest ones, not being from Napa Valley, and as, uh, they produce a lot of rare, very expensive wines, high-scoring wines, and stuff like that. So, uh, and, and when I say very expensive, it's it, their wines can get very expensive. So, SQN, or Sinquinon, non-tant piece, uh, record offered $22,051. Uh, the translation, English translation of this wine's name means not too bad. Uh, it's a Grenache wine with a price of $9,418. Yeah. 
Screaming Eagle Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa, number two. Uh, I'm sorry, the record offer price for the synchronon non-tamed pieces is 22051 uh, The average price is 9418 for this vintage. Next one. Screaming Eagle Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa Valley, $21,868 for the 92 vintage. Synchronon Reverse Terminer with no name uh, has uh, a listed price in London of $20,955. Synchronon Cross Rosé, a California rosé based on a Grenache has a price of $16,510. Synchronion the Bride, a California blend of Chardonnay and Rosanne from 95, has a price of $15,980. Synchronion El Corazon Rosé from California, again a Grenache Rosé, uh, has a price of $15,869. But it only comes in half bottles, so it's half that price. Screaming Eagle Cabernet, uh, Screaming Eagle Sauvignon Blanc from Napa has a price of uh, $9,275. Swinkenyon Hospice de Rhone Alban Vineyard Syrah, uh, released in two vintages, uh, 1998. $7,539. Swinkinon Queen of Spades from Santa, Rosa, uh, Santa Barbara, $7,100, and it's a Syrah-based wine. And then number 10, Stag's Leap Wine Cellars, Cabernet Sauvignon from Napa, 73 vintage, $6,453. But check out Swinkinon. The reason I went through this list, basically, and I know none of us ever afford it, and we go, oh, wow, that's a lot of money. And yeah, it is, and none of us will afford it. None of us ever have a, a sip of it. And if we're lucky, we'll be able to see a bottle sitting on a shelf at our local liquor store, but they probably won't even have them in because people there, most local stores don't get those on the shelf because they don't want them to sit there for years with nobody buying them. But check out the, the uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Sanquinon. That's S-I-N-E-Q-U-A-N-O-N. And uh, the Southern California vineyard, just north of uh, L.A. And it's just the the prices for those, you would think Napa would be in 10 of the 10. They're not. So it's just it's surprising. So, oh, wait a minute. Time for another ice pack. She's already got it. Good for her. Um, yeah, yeah, thank you. Yeah, we had the audience clap for you. Uh, That's right. Yeah. Every hour she has to have her eyes back. So check out this thing for now. Let me see. Oh, <coughs> excuse me. Uh, A sip of water there. It's getting dry. <clears throat> Excuse me again. AVAs. We all know what that is. American Viticulture Area. There's one for sale. An entire California AVA is for sale. Only $3.3 million. 
and it's still sitting on the market. You know, I haven't done real estate in a while. I'm going to get a hold of the company that was sending me those and ask them why I'm not getting any. Man, I just thought of that. Hmm. Because uh, I always enjoyed that real estate and what was available out there and all that. An AVA is for sale. You can buy an, an entire American viticulture area. The property is the Coal Ranch. AVA. It consists of about 150 acres in Mendocino County. 55 acres of grapes are planted. And the water rights for the neighboring property is available. And it's a great place to grow cool climate wine grapes. And uh, Rieslings and Pinot Noir have been planted there for over a decade. Coal ranch between Restaurant River Valley and Anderson Valley. And they're both uh, they're all about the same in climate and everything else. Coal River Ranch, our Coal Ranch, not Coal River, Coal Ranch was granted AVA status in 1983. And uh, it was the, actually the farmer, John Cole, applied for it and got it. $3.3 million doesn't seem like much money in California wine industry because just last month, Heights Cellar spent $25 million for a 54-acre vineyard in Napa, but that was in Napa, and this one is in Mendocino County. So if you're interested in owning a vineyard and an AVA along with it, only $3.3 million. What a deal. And also, too, you have to keep in mind that Mendocino is becoming a big marijuana-growing region. So you might be able, if only 55 acres is planted in grapes, you might be able to get some uh, hemp crop or marijuana crop planted there. And if that's the case, they're doing AVAs for those now, I understand. So that would give you a good opportunity to double down on your on your uh, money and on your area there. And let's see, one more thing here before we go is if this lets me. Now I, I pulled this up earlier. And, as I was going halfway through it, it popped up with a video that was embedded in it. Oh, we got another call. That's another it. call. <laughs> yeah, and this is from the same number again. We're just going to do the same thing and hang up on them. Um, the, there is a new biodynamic winery in Livermore. And the person who's doing it is doing it full all out with the cow's horns and stuff like that. And wait a minute, let me click out of this because the video is starting to come on. It's, in, it's embedded in this and I can't get away from it. But it is uh, a new winery in Livermore that is biodynamic. First one in Livermore Valley. Livermore is located east and a little bit south of San Francisco, so in that area there. Livermore's exploded. It's, 
Winty, Concan, and the first two that were there. Now there's, I don't know, close to 100 in that area. So, uh, Institute for Enology and Viticulture at Walla Walla Community College will present a free public lecture by world-renowned vineyard climatologist Gregory Jones on Wednesday, August 7th. Oh, we missed it. He will discuss grapes and wine structure, suitability, sustainability, and a changing climate. Uh, he and I talked a little bit about this when we were there, and I just saw this. I don't know why this just now popped up on my feeds here, but uh, he's saying that uh, the climate is really starting to have an effect on yield, is starting to have an effect on quality, is starting to have an effect on soil, is starting to have an effect on just about everything in the wine industry. He said that some areas are looking at moving up mountainsides a little bit further just to try to maintain the same quality they've always had. So it's changing. He teaches uh, meteorology, climatology, hydrology, and agricultural, uh, phenology of plant systems, biosphere and atmospheric interactions, climate change, and a whole bunch of other stuff. I mean, the man holds a doctorate degree and uh, he's, he's very knowledgeable. I love talking with him. He, uh, but if you ever see any lectures by Gregory V. Jones on uh, wine industry or climate change or anything, check it out. Don't click out of it or don't turn away from it. L- look him up and look up some of the lectures he did. They're extremely interesting and makes you wonder where the industry is going and what's going to happen in it. So. So, okay, I've covered what I wanted to cover tonight. And wow. So, uh, we, that was a good show. Bunch of stuff. Bunch of Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. There we go. Mm-hmm. So, well, Facebook. <laughs> Facebook. <laughs> Facebook people, yeah, I was going to say Facebook people got an air tonight. Yeah. And, um, uh, I blocked up radio still on, so yeah, they're both uh, both on there. Um, okay, we will uh, return next Thursday, which is already September the fifth, and fuck um, yeah, school and uh, <laughs> school pretty much starts around the country too. If it hasn't already, which I think it pretty much has, but used to always be when I was growing up, it was the first Tuesday after. Memorial Day, and so by next week, I think the whole country will be back at school, so good luck mm-hmm. to school, all you kiddies out there, and if you're listening to this program, you shouldn't be, because it's talking about wine. <laughs> yeah. I guess we need a disclaimer on here or something. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, let's see. So we'll we'll close the show now for the adults listening, and and we'll return for the adults uh, next uh, week, Thursday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. That's September the 5th. So uh, tune in again here on uh, Facebook Live or on Blog Talk Radio. And by the way, both options do have previous shows. At least since we since the time we started on Facebook Live, you can listen to those shows on Facebook. Um, but they're also on Blog Talk Radio, and that Blog Talk Radio goes all the way back to 2009. So um, you have those two. You know, when we say the archives, 
well, now you can include um, Facebook on our Facebook page because it is being stored there under videos and on the page. So that's kind of cool. And um, you will not see us on a live feed. I can guarantee that. So I can. thank you. We may use the word see us, but not really. <laughs> no. um, maybe I'll just put a little cartoon characters, like <laughs> just kind of yeah, there you go. cartoon yeah. version of us. Put on there. <laughs> If you uh, if you happen to be in the path of uh, Hurricane Dorian, we're still not sure uh, it could go up to Georgia and, and beyond in the north northeast. Um, you know, start preparing, and you know it's it's always best to take precautions uh, and don't wait to the last minute for sure. Okay, so uh, we want to see you all next time, and everybody be safe out there, and uh, enjoy your wine, and um, we'll see you all, all next right. week tomorrow. Thanks for tuning in, so Monday, yeah. drink it. Ooh, yeah, that's a good. Okay, and uh, <laughs> that was a short hey, no. clap. <laughs> they were leaving. Had to go home and hunker down for the hurricane. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All right. All right. We will see you all. Uh, wow. Uh, wrong button. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for tuning in, and have a great week. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe. This concludes tonight's broadcast of All About Wine with your host, Ron. For show information, links to All About Wine on Twitter and Facebook, or to be a guest on the show, visit the show website at www.allaboutwinebtr.com. Archive shows are available for download on iTunes or on our show page at blogtalkradio.com forward slash allaboutwine. Thank you for listening. Drink responsibly, and we'll see you next time on All About Wine.